There we go. We got audio volume. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and uh, it's good to have you here today. Happy Monday to you for those of you that are live streaming with us. Uh, it's good to have you here as well. And please make sure to take advantage of the opportunity to ask questions, to comment, to join in the conversation today as you partake in this live stream with us. It's one of the major benefits. So don't be shy. Join in the conversation, ask questions, ask our guest questions. We're getting into an interesting topic today as well. And um, so I'll introduce our guests here in just a second. For those of you that are not live streaming with us, if you're listening to the audio version after the fact, make sure that you follow us on Instagram, Boca Podcast, and uh, keep up to date with the latest or upcoming live streams. We post that information there and you can come join the conversation uh, for any upcoming live streams. And again, ask questions, comment, and uh, you can even send us some funny emojis if you'd like to, just to be part of the conversation. Don't be shy. And then last thing before, and I, I introduce our new guest for today, uh, just a reminder, as I always do before these Boca podcast episodes, take advantage of opportunities to give back. I, I made my donation to Charity Water today before we got started. You can see a little receipt up there on the screen. And uh, again, I just do this to encourage everybody to look for those opportunities to give back. We're all pretty lucky, uh, relatively speaking. And um, I think that means then that we should look for opportunities to give to those who may be in need in some form or fashion. It's amazing how a little bit of money can go a long way. So look for those opportunities in your local community or through various organizations. All right. I'd like to introduce a brand new guest today. I don't know what it is. Like post weekend, I'm like trying, I'm fumbling around. Hopefully I don't push too many wrong buttons. We'll, we'll get this thing going. Uh, I want to introduce our brand new guest today. Alora Viano is with me. Alora, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me and, and uh, not only be a brand new guest on the podcast, but bring an interesting topic that we really haven't touched on a whole lot. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, it's a privilege to have you here. I saw you take a deep breath. I know you're a little bit nervous, but but you really don't have to be. I'm not too scary. And this conversation is actually going to be a lot of fun. We'll get into it um, here. And, and actually, you know what? Let's just take this opportunity to go ahead and introduce you to the world at large, to the photography community. I also want to get mm -hmm. to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your photography business and then something we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast, your business's brand position. Yeah. Um, so I am a family and personal branding photographer. I am based in Lincoln in the UK and my business name is Life Live Photography. Um, my focus is to try and capture natural, fun and authentic images of my clients, both my families and my, um, and my branding clients as well. I really love the idea of sharing connection and emotion and just spontaneity so i kind of just let people do their thing <laughs> during yeah. my sessions and people seem to enjoy that so um, i'm just continuing on with that way and i've used that in my branding mm. as well um, because i want people to feel that they are authentically sharing themselves to their clients because that's what we want we want the clients to see the person behind the business and so I often incorporate a lot of their personal things to make it about them. So hobbies, uh, pets, um, we shoot in their home or their garden or somewhere special to them. So yeah, I try and um, bring that all together for all types of, of, of clients. Well, and, and I'm gonna actually pop up your website here on screen. And for anybody listening in who, who maybe is not looking at the live stream, if you go to Life Lived Photography, just like it sounds, .co.uk, uh, you'll see Alora's website here. And I'm scrolling down just a little bit. Natural, fun, authentic, you, life-lived photography. And this is a bit of an unusual name. I, I like it, Alora, because it's something different. It stands out in that way. Is that idea, that phrase, life-lived, is, is that tied to this notion of authenticity and letting clients be themselves? Yes, it is. I, I love um, lifestyle and documentary type of work. And... I have always been attracted to photographing life as it is, like all the little bits. And so when I decided on a name for my business after a few attempts and there was a lot of pieces of paper, I, uh, <laughs> I finally came up with It's a Life Lived. And I was like, well, that's a bit long. So I kind of cut it down and I wrote Life Lived Photography. It sounds good. So how is your life? It's lived. It works. So, and that's what it was. <laughs> Fair enough. And how long have you been in business? 
Uh, about f no six years now. I was going to say five, but it's six years now. Um, I tried a couple times before, but life circumstances didn't work. And uh, but yeah, I've been proper established for six years. So well, way to come good. back to it though, and and make it happen. Yeah. I, I know I'm actually. Working... I don't give up very easily. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I, I'm actually working on a project right now, a brand that we're a company with that we're about to launch here in the next month or two. That uh, has been in the works now for. Wow, it's coming up on eight years, seven or eight years or so. Oh, wow. Um, and, and I think the timing actually, it, it's interesting how kind of life works out, but it, I think the timing is actually perfect. Even though I put it off for one reason or another, it got delayed for one reason or another, um, the timing actually worked out. But I, I think at the end of the day, coming back and putting our effort into doing that thing, that idea, that dream that we had, uh, there's something to be said for that. So props to you for, for making that happen. Emily Majors uh, is chiming in from YouTube. She says, hello. And uh, hello, Emily. Thanks so much for saying hello, for joining us today. And for those of you that are live streaming, again, don't be shy. Join in the conversation. Ask questions as we get into the topic at hand. And we are going to be talking today about, we've titled this 365 Days to a Stronger Business. And I'll just leave it at that because I want to I tease it a little bit. We'll come back to the topic here in just a second. But Emily, let's actually jump to the next point of conversation and question from your experience as a photographer now for six years. What do you think is the most important principle behind the customer experience that you provide? Um, so when I started the business, um, I had this idea that you had to be very detached and professional. Um, from the client, you know, that it had to be some sort of fancy, really, I don't know, organized experience. Uber formal. And <laughs> yeah. yeah and, 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 and I didn't like it. I didn't feel that my clients and I were connecting properly. Um, and so then one day I just said, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to be me. And so I started to share personal things, frustrations, um, life as a mom, life as a business owner, um, just me. You know, sharing pictures of me, sharing pictures of my family, the, the cat, um, everything and these stories. And so I have found that my clients and potential clients seem to really respond to that. Um, and so when they call and when they um, inquire, sometimes they'll even mention something that I've shared on my Facebook or my Instagram. Mm -hmm. And um, I just kind of approach it in a very relaxed way and I think a lot of people are starting to appreciate that um so yeah I guess they seem happy with my very chill way of doing <laughs> oh, business yeah yeah for sure I think chill I mean we're we're beyond you know one of the interesting things that the internet and of course social media has done is it's, it's kind of taken us behind the scenes of various professions and the lives of those who we you know previously may have lifted up on this crazy pedestal and helped us realize that everybody is just kind of the same as us in one in one way or another we're, st we're all human beings at the root level right and so this idea that we need to put on some type of facade is certainly not necessary anymore uh, or i don't know that it was ever necessary but it's certainly not as common anymore as it was say like 20 years ago or 30 years ago yeah. The flip side of that, though, is I think, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, I want to get your take on this. I think that some people have kind of gone to the opposite extreme now, and they just kind of put all, everything out there uh, under the guise of transparency or vulnerability or being themselves. And frankly, I mean, as I scroll through Facebook feeds of you know various people over the years, it, it, it's, it's just a bit much, to say the least, at times. Yeah. So I'm curious what your take is on this. I mean, I, I understand the priority of putting yourself out there and, and being super personable. What's the balance from your perspective of putting yourself out there for the sake of being able to have a better connection with clients and maybe putting too much out there? What, what do you think? I try not to put too much. Um, I do share things like, you know, things I think a lot of people could relate to. So like on my branding um page and for my branding clients maybe I'll share you know like oh is it just me who's like fighting over tax returns today or something like that you know just things that I know that they will also feel that maybe they 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 might want to share um as well and then for the families you know I it's family so I share a few mom things without going into too much detail um and I also share things like places I've been and things that are cool to see around the area because I think that also helps 
um, the families to, you know, actually discover something and it's kind of useful. Um, but yeah, I do stop at certain things. I, I, I don't have everything out there. <laughs> no. And, and I, think, I do have my personal boundaries still. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something to that, right? I think, and part of where I've seen this go is that, that photographers, again, under the guise of being vulnerable and transparent, put a lot of their personal baggage out there. And it's there for certainly their fellow photographers to see, but it's also there for their clients to see. And there's a certain weight that whether it's conscious or subconscious, these individuals put on those that follow them to kind of prop them up and carry them, encourage them and mm -hmm. hold their hand along the way as they're dealing with these various things. And there's obviously something to be said from support of fellow human beings and helping get through our stuff. But I think that it really is the more appropriate place for that is with close friendships. And a lot of those conversations really aren't Appropriate doesn't seem like the right word, but I don't think it's the place to, to put them out there on Facebook and Instagram and expect people to, to not only absorb that, but then help carry us through these various situations that normally a close friend or family member might offline. That's my yeah. take, but, but what do you think? I agree. Um, like on my business page, I share, you know, some things, but I don't share everything. And then if I have a complaint about, you know, the industry or something, I'll share it in like... A private photographers group or with some of my photographer friends and just have a moan and a rant because we all need to once in a while but I would never <laughs> yeah. do that yeah like on the business page why would I knock someone else that's just bad you know oh, sure, for example sure. yeah yeah and, um, I, I'm, I'm not even thinking so much about criticizing other photographers as just putting our own baggage out there um it, it, yeah. it could just no, become like even personal things right I have mm -hmm. a personal account where I share things and sure. that's for me that's that's that and if my clients choose to follow that personal account then they're at their own risk of hearing me moan but I wouldn't <laughs> okay. do that to, to everyone because my page is out there for the whole world to see and mm. maybe not ev not everyone will appreciate that so sure. I, I you know I'm kind of like I rein it in but on my personal stiff stuff yeah i might overshare once in a while <laughs> well to be clear this was no commentary on your feed i, I was just speaking in, <laughs> in general and i just i think it's an important point of conversation and and actually emily who commented earlier she says from from youtube she says Yes. Who is it serving? And, and Emily, I had her on the podcast not too long ago. And uh, I think this was actually a point of conversation I got into with, with her as well. And I think this is a, a brilliant question. When we put information out there, information sounds too formal. When we put anything out there on social media, the question is, who is it serving? At the end of the day, if, if we can own the fact that it's for us and you know we want that little pat on the back or we need somebody else to support us besides our close friends and family offline, then if we can at least own that, that's a good thing. But I think a lot of people just kind of just put stuff out there without really thinking about what's behind it. And I think this question Emily brings up is a really healthy one for everybody listening in to consider, which is who is this content serving at the end of the day? And at the very least, maybe we can focus. And again, this is no comment uh, commentary uh, on what you're putting out there specifically. Um, I'm just speaking in general, because I think this is a very important topic that I think focusing on say something like a 75, 25 ratio, which is 75% or even 80, 20, 78, 80% of the content that we put out there is for the benefit of others. And yeah, sure, maybe occasionally we post something for our own sake, but that, that it's skewed toward serving somebody else or to our broader audience. I, I just think that that goes much further in life than us kind of <laughs> ranting and raving about this thing or that at the end of the day. It, again, this is very subjective. It's just kind of my take on it, but I, I love that you bring this up because I think it's an important conversation to be had in our industry. But any, any further thoughts on that? Uh, no, not not really. I mean, okay. yeah, everyone has their own personal limits and boundaries. Mm. And I think that they'll respect that. But I don't think people should put stuff out there because they feel they need to like mm. overdoing it. Because okay. they feel like, oh, this way people will know I'm human behind the, you know, behind <laughs> the, the, the business. Right, stuff. right, but right. It could be too much. I think that there's a certain point where we got to put a wall up somewhere. Yeah. And I know that's going to vary from person to person. And and again, I don't I don't follow your individual feed closely. So this is not a commentary on your feed specifically, Laura. I'm just speaking in general because I think it's it's um and maybe maybe it's speaking of selfish like I, I it, maybe it's kind of selfish for my own sake because it's something that I think about. Like what's the motivation behind what I do, what I say, not just on social media, but in individual conversations with somebody whether it's through text or phone or Zoom or in person. 
what's the motivation behind that and the psychology that's driving that? And I think a certain level of self-awareness behind the things that we say, whether in a public forum or in a private forum, I think it's really important to develop that kind of self-awareness. So a massive conversation for another day. We'll, we'll keep moving from here, but I appreciate you bringing it up because it's really good food for thought. What important principle um, do you feel enables you to better manage your time for the sake of finding some type of a balance. So you're not just working all the time. You can also have a bit of a personal life, not get burnt out along the way. I know we're going to talk about that some today. Um, what, what is that principle or idea that drives your time management? Well, um, I put in a lot of things this year uh, because I did actually burn out um, in November last year. I was physically sick. I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't work. I just couldn't do it. So I had to do something because everyone was suffering. So um, this year, I discovered the joys of automation and saying no. Mm. So I automated my entire workflow with my CRM system. So I just put in the date, the, you know, the time, the person, the client. I click the workflow I want it to do, and it sends the booking form, it sends the invoice, it sends the contract, the reminders, the getting ready guide, everything. So I do one job, and then the computer takes care of the rest. And that has Love saved it. me hours of back and forth um, and then forgetting things and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> what, that's what CRM really, do you use? I use 17 hats. Yeah. Um, I really like it. It's got booking on it, online mm -hmm. booking. I don't mm -hmm. even have to get like Calendly or anything else like that. So it's like yeah. all there and I can set up a workflow from the online booking. So that's great for mini sessions and stuff that I don't have to worry about at all. Um, so yeah, automating has been a huge thing for me. Um, and also saying no to people has been really good. I have said I only take one session per weekend. That's it. And because before I would take it, I would take multiple ones in a day, okay. you know, and, and stuff like that. And I'd work during the week. Um, because during the week, I do a lot of the branding work. And then weekends with families, um, especially those with older children that are school-aged and stuff like that. So I just said, guys, there's only 52 weekends. I'm taking out a couple of them for holidays and birthdays. And then of the rest, you get one. You have to wait otherwise. And people haven't gone away. So it was okay to put those limits in there. Hmm. So I, like on average, then how many, do, do you only photograph on the weekends? Do you photograph during the week as well? How many sessions no, do you during do in the a week? week? Yeah. So during the week, I also do a, um, branding. So commercial work and stuff like that. And the occasional newborn or maternity, because if they're on break, they don't, they don't need to have, you know, um, a weekday, weekend date. Um, so yeah, basically families is on weekends, um, and everything else is during the week. And I range from between two to four tops sessions a week in this period. It's been four okay. and it's been a lot. So I'm going to pull that back down. I think okay. after. Yeah. yeah. But it's good to, to assert yourself and, and to take advantage of something as simple as certainly saying no, but even just being very particular in the way that you plan out your week, plan out your calendar and understand what it is that you're able to handle. And then where that line, where you're crossing that line and just make sure that you don't cross that line for the most part. Yeah. Because I, really I have accidentally done it a few times because well, COVID people getting sick and having to reschedule it's, it's happened, unfortunately, where I have done two or sure. three sessions in a weekend. But yeah, that that's part of running a business, though, right? We have to yeah. make exceptions here and there. But but yeah, yeah, understanding where that line needs to be is is important. Um, I, you talked about Seventeen Hats as well, and, and I'll just really quickly pull up their site for anybody who is curious and not heard of Seventeen Hats before. If you go to literally the number Seventeen Hats dot com, just like it sounds. Uh, you can learn more about 17 hats as well. And, you know, it, it seems like at this point in 2022, it goes without saying, but there are tools like 17 hats that exist out there that, yes, take a little bit of investment and time to set up, but the, the time savings after the fact is just mind blowing. It doesn't cost that much. And it ultimately allows us to have the freedom, the flexibility that we started these businesses for in the first place, right? Like the, exactly. the idea that we go exactly. from working nine to five and go straight to the same type of hours or potentially even more in, in many cases, owning our own business seems kind of ironic and weird. I, I created my own companies for the sake of flexibility at the end of the day. 
Um, that that's my primary goal as an entrepreneur at this point. And so why would I, why would I not take advantage of the tools that enable me to have that kind of freedom, that flexibility? I think that's super important to, to remember. So yeah, I appreciate that reminder. And let's, you know, one, one of the most important elements of time management is delegation. And certainly we can delegate to software. It's a pretty cool thing now that we can take mm -hmm. advantage of this technology. Are, are, have you experimented with other, any other elements of delegation in your business? Uh, I struggle with that because I like to have my hands on everything. Uh, but I recently, in the last month, I got a VA. And I have delegated the task of taking care of social media stuff to her. Mm. And it's been amazing. I, I just type up the blogs and I send it to her, you know, with the pictures and stuff and say, post it. I want it posted, you know, twice a week or whatever. Share it on socials. Here's a few little graphics and stuff like that. And she does it all for me. And that has been wonderful. So I'm definitely keeping her. Um, <laughs> the, she's been really great. But you know, it's just like even those couple of hours you spend scheduling stuff on your own. It's just, you're, that's time you could be using for something else. And so it's worth the expense, in my opinion, to, yeah. you know, have someone else to do that. Um, I can't bring myself to outsource editing, though. For me, I, I can't do it. It's part of How my control freak. You, it's my Laura. creative process, and I know telling you is a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't, I can't let it go yet. I might in the future. You never know. But at the moment, it's part of what I feel makes my work um, mine, and I don't want to really let it go to anyone else yet. The most time-consuming element of your business. Though. <laughs> I know, but I, it's, I enjoy it though. Yeah, That's the thing. Yeah. I enjoy shooting, but I also enjoy mm. creating that final image that I mm. have in my mind mm -hmm. on the screen. Mm. And, um, and so for that, it's for me, if I, all I needed to do was to shoot and edit, I would be in heaven. So, so you figure yeah. out how to the delegate the rest. The is next. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, accounting, I, I wish that I had taken advantage of professional resources when it came to money management really, really early in my business. Because we generated a lot of revenue as a company. We were, were super lucky to get to do that. And, mm -hmm. and of course, we put a lot of work in to make that happen. And yet, I just, I didn't have any context to managing money. Certainly bookkeeping, taking care of taxes, like all this stuff. And it really put me in, in a much less advantageous spot than I could have been in had I had those resources at hand or take advantage of the resources at hand, find somebody that can have your back, that can help give you the information you need and also do the work that you need so you don't have to do it. As, and, and I'm speaking to everybody in general listening in here. It's super, super important when it comes to, to managing money. So I think that's really, really important. Um, and a Emily actually chimed in from YouTube. She said, how did you or do you find someone who is a good fit to outsource social media? That's a really great question. Any thoughts on that, Alora? Um, well, what I did was I actually just looked, I put out a call there and I said, I need a VA, um, who's, who's willing to help me, you know, kind of thing. And people put all their links on there. And so I nosied around, I, um, I checked their Facebook pages, I checked their websites and the ones whose copy kind of talked to me as if it was in that style, then mm. I talked to them. And I got to, you know, I talked about what they, what they do, how they work, how, how it all, all of that. I told them what I needed. And then I found this lady and we have a lot of things in common and she's really lovely. And I feel that she understands what I want to do. And so I, I, um, I went with her in the end. Um, but a lot of people aren't that lucky the first time and it's trial and error. I know some friends have, you know, they've done a couple and then it didn't work. So the next month they put another one on retainer and they tried that. And then sure. again, until they found the right person for them. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I got lucky that the first one I chose so far seems to be doing well. <laughs> but I, I think in this, this plays to outsourcing editing as well. And for anybody who is curious about outsourcing editing, I know Laura is not quite ready yet, but you can check out Photographer's Edit. In fact, for those of you listening, if you haven't used Photographer's Edit before, my editing company, Boca Podcast, all one word, um, gets you uh, a pretty nice break actually about at 40% off your first order. So make you make sure you take advantage of that, that little discount code at checkout if you've never used this. But when it comes to outsourcing editing, when it comes to outsourcing social media, really any, 
any part of your business that you feel is tied to your brand or that actually is tied to the brand, the brand representation, I think it's really important that you're clear about what it is that you want, right? Like, for example, Laura, if, if you said to somebody, hey, I, I want to give my editing to you, but you weren't clear about your editing style, that'd be a really complicated relationship because now you're kind of subconsciously expecting this person to read your mind and just know what you want and what you like without actually having had that conversation. Same thing goes with social media, I'm sure. It probably made it easier for you to know or to be able to delegate that work because you had an idea of what you wanted to begin with. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. I knew what I wanted to delegate. So I told them, you know, I told her right away, I said, this is what I need you to do. Boom, boom, boom. This is how often I need you to do it. Can you do it? And she said, yeah, I can handle that. So we did it. Um, so that kind yeah, of clarity I think is super that important. You have to give them a clear, clear instructions because mm. no one can read your mind. No one can do things the way you will. So the best way to get it done as close as the way you want is to tell them what you want. And to be super clear about that. Yeah, that's, that's really, really yeah. good. Um, do me a favor real quick, Laura, turn that volume down on your mic just a little bit more, if you don't mind, um, before we get to our, our next question. And uh, for everybody listening in, make sure, of course, that you take advantage of, of these suggestions that Laura is making. Um, we're also going to be linking to all the resources in the show notes at bocapodcast.com when this, this episode comes out. So make sure you take advantage of that as well. Um, Laura, one more question before we get to the main topic at hand, and that has to do with self-help book business book, a favorite of yours that you might want to recommend to our listeners? Um, yeah, I've, I've read a lot of them and I had a big think about what, how to answer that question. Um, but I think that the, one of the ones that I've read recently and that I have found really helped to implement some things in, um, in my life and my business is the You Are a Badass series by Jen Sincero. Um, and especially the one you are a badass at making money for me, that was really good, um, to get rid of a lot of blocks, uh, about, you know, not being afraid to tell people that you want to be paid for your work because it's precious. So, you know, um, the whole series is really nice. They all work in nicely together. Um, but that's the one that if I was doing businessy stuff, that's the one that you really want to to be reading and I just like it. She's got a very straight up approach about things and it's just a writing style I liked and I, I felt I resonated with and um, I enjoyed having, you know, putting into practice her ideas and thoughts and I'm working on implementing them. So cool. yeah, well, that's at, been one of at, the big ones. As you were talking, I, I pulled this up on screen as well, but everybody can see who's live streaming. Uh, you are a badass. There is a series you can actually buy the the collection. It's thirty nine bucks for all four books. That's that's a really great mm -hmm. deal on Amazon. Um, you're a badass by Jen Sincero. Uh, so you have you're a badass. You're a badass at making money. You're a badass every day and badass habits. And uh, that's quite the collection, quite the title set. <laughs> so we'll yeah. make sure to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. Okay, let's let's jump into the main topic at hand here too. Um, and. We're, we're going to be talking, I mean, the, the title of this episode is 365 Days to a Stronger Business. And what that is in reference to is a, a personal project uh, that you started, Laura, this 365-day project. And, and I'm curious if you can just, for anybody listening in who maybe doesn't have full context as to what that even means, what that looks like, what that 365-day project even is, can you give them a little bit of context, a little bit of an explanation behind that? Mm -hmm. So a 365 pro photo project is basically what it sounds like. It's a picture a day for a year. Um, so you can choose a theme for your project um, throughout the year, uh, but I just shoot my life. Um, so I take a picture every day, um, more or less, and of anything. So the kids, the cat, the landscape, uh, flowers, bugs, um, anything in the streets, cool art, I see graffiti, um, just anything that is part of my life. Um, and then I put it all together at the end of the year into a little slideshow to music and I print out a little book of it. Yeah. And, um, and that's a year of my life, a year of our life. And um, it's really lovely to, to just look back on it all together and see how much you actually do. And what led to starting this project? What was the motivation to be like, okay, you know what? This sounds interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. 
Well, um, as I mentioned before, I'm I'm fascinated about photographing life in general, right? Um, which is why the whole business name and everything. And I thought, you know, it's so, it's, your life seems so mundane. You know, you do the same things every day, but you don't. And one day you're not going to do that every day and that's not going to be there anymore. And then you won't have any record of it. And for me, mm. having that was one of the reasons behind that, especially yeah. from the moment I had kids. I tried to do 365s many times before, um, but failed for various reasons. Um, and then finally, you know, the, the push of having kids and stuff and wanting to do something for them as well. Um, that really got me into actually sticking to my 365. So uh, what would you say then? I mean, for anybody who's curious, they're like, what, what is, what's the benefit? I mean, you talk about the personal benefit from it, but of course we're tying this to running a photography business. How would you say this has specifically benefited your photography business as well? Well, um, the fact that you have to pick up your camera every single day, your camera or whatever other thing you use, um, every single day really helps hone your skills. Like, you know, you learn how to shoot in every kind of light possible, in every kind of weather possible. Mm. It allows you to practice things that you never maybe tried before, you know, creative ways, shooting through things, you know, copper pipes, all that kind of stuff. Because you don't have to deliver it to a client. So you can practice. You can do a whole month of shooting through a crystal until you nail how to do it. Or you can do a whole <laughs> month of, of double exposures until sure. you figure out how it's done. Um, because it's your stuff anyway. So who cares? Um, and by doing that, you really find your way into finding what you really like to photograph, how to photograph it. And your work just improves so much. I mean, the first year I actually completed it, I saw the pictures I took on the 1st of January and the ones that I took on the 31st mm. of December and yeah. the growth was insane. That's cool. Insane. And it came through in my client work because my I found my way, I found my editing style, I found my, you know, my angles, my shots, you know, the ones that make you you. And I I found it and it translated into my work and the okay. clients saw the change and they really appreciated it. So and this is already super compelling to me because I'm like, you know what, I, I need to do this to step up my photography game for multiple reasons. Uh, but a lot of people will do this with their phone, right? That they've got there. I'm holding my phone up for anybody who's just mm -hmm. listening to the audio, but I'm, I've got my phone here. It's a pretty great camera actually. And I could just shoot with that, but you're talking about shooting with your so-called professional cameras, like your, your SLRs or, um, your mirrorless cameras. I was going to go into that a bit later, but, um, the reasons I failed the first time was because I insisted on shooting with my DSLR mm. and and then I didn't want to carry it everywhere. You know, when <laughs> know. you got your body, you got a lens, it's heavy. Yeah. So as I transitioned into it, I accepted the fact that using whatever camera you have is okay. And it brings in its own challenges on its own. Yeah. So right now I shoot on my Canon 60, my Sony a7 III, I have an Olympus Tough 5, and I have my iPhone. And I shoot on all four of them yeah. for different things and different times and in different places. And I can tell you this, I have learned so much about finding the right composition, light, and learning how to fiddle with your camera on your phone that my phone photography has really improved so much. I didn't even know I could do that with a phone. <laughs> I honestly, and it yeah, really yeah. helped me learn a lot. And um, and that's stuff that then I can translate into using the SL DSLR because it's kind of like, you know, you can change the settings to have that kind of, you know, the depth of field or whatever that the phone will give and the sure. wider angle. Yeah. And, and you can use that in your client things and get more environmental portraits and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've seen that they like that. So... Yeah, it's a big challenge and it's a huge learning curve. Um, so yeah, I, I do it with everything. That's good. Well, I, I think the variety is nice. One, learning to use a variety of tools for the sake of this project, which just makes you that much better a photographer. Because at the end of the day, you're learning how to use whatever the tool is at hand to take that, to, to capture that photograph. I, I also think that like, 
I mean, especially now, these phones have been with their cameras have been good for years now, but more than ever, they're absolutely amazing. They're going to continue to get better even, even this year. Uh, but really the only difference that we're talking about between these things and, you know, I'm, I'm pointing to the DSLR that's actually filming me right now, that the, the difference is just a few things, right? One, I mean, certainly the control of depth of field through the lens, the speed of the lens, we'll just call it. Uh, two, the amount of information in an image that's being captured. Of course, the size of the sensor has a big effect on that. And then three, the ability to uh, affect noise or to be able to capture an image in low light without a ton of noise. Yeah. I would say those are the three kind of biggest differences. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. th th we can take amazing photographs and have, again, been able to do so now for, for years with these things. So yeah. I, I don't think that their significance can be minimized. And if we're able to take a, a great picture with a phone, how much better an image potentially could we take with a, a quote unquote fancy camera, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, so I think that's great that you're taking that variety approach. Let me get back to the conversation though. So um, one of the, the, and I'm taking notes here, one of the biggest benefits you mentioned was the opportunity to hone your skills um, mm -hmm. as a photographer. That was the first benefit to your business. What's the second one? Um, the fact that I was able to share some personal work as well with my clients. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier about being honest with them and stuff and sharing things with them. So the fact that I can share personal work with them um, and, you know, even like when I do self portraits, I'm like, hey, this is me. And, you know, um, this is what I actually look like um, and pictures of me with the kids or, you know, um, us, you know, playing out in the garden on a hot day or whatever, it's, it helps them to connect. And I've realized that even when I get a new inquiry now, um, especially if it's someone who's been following the socials a little bit, I actually have them, you know, they'll call me up, they'll ask some questions about the session, and then I'll mention something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that you did that, you know, and that was really something I'd like to incorporate or, or something like that in my session. And they convert like, so fast something that I never had to do as much before. So I mm. feel that by creating somehow this connection um, with the clients, they they already feel they know me and that they'll be happy with me and my work. Interesting. And Interesting. I found that the conversion rate um, is so much higher now. It's like I get the inquiry and I would say about 85% of the time I get the client. Wow. Okay. That's really impressive. I know. I, I kid you not. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm so shocked. And it's yeah. happened just in the last couple of years. And I can't figure out another way of saying that it's that except for mm. the fact that it's part of the, the 365. I, I, I have no idea. Or if people are just awesome now. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you're just awesome. It could be some, as simple maybe as I that. Am. <laughs> okay, cool. So we've got, first of all, the, the, the first benefit. And again, I'm just taking notes old school here with the mm -hmm. notebook. But um, the opportunity to hone our skills as photographers. Second is the opportunity to share personal work with clients, which, you know, side benefit, it's a big benefit is that it helps improve conversion um, of a potential client to an actual client. What, what's the third and fourth points? Um, the third and fourth points are that somehow sharing my personal work um, put me in front of unexpected opportunities that I never would have expected. So um, before I mentioned that at the end of the year, I create my own little book, um, little album of my 365 project. And I shared that, that I made it on social media. And I found myself contacted by um, a large publishing book publisher person blurb i don't know if you know yeah, them yeah, yeah absolutely so blurb contacted me because i tagged them because i used them to print my my book and they said hey would you like to become part of our influencer campaign for this month here and we'll pay you and i was like yeah of course um and so i found that i actually became an influencer i, I don't even think i'm that hugely famous or anything <laughs> <laughs> you know but it was enough to get these brands to notice me and sure. I've seen that I've actually you know I've been contacted by some people and stuff about you know sharing their products and being paid to do that so that's become a new stream of income for my business which otherwise probably wouldn't have happened um so that's and that really, was really all cool. because I shared that I printed it yeah 
And and for anybody who's curious, if you just literally go to blurb.com, just like it sounds, uh, you can learn more about that company and and maybe start putting your own stuff too. So that's that's really, really cool. All right. So take us to that fourth point then. Uh, so the fourth point was that because of this influencer thing, I got in front of a, a lot more people and a lot more photographers. And I was already active in the photography community, but um, it led me to going into teaching and to mentoring. And, and now I'm creating um, a membership for people, other photographers who want to do a 365 program, um, uh, project, sorry, called the, three, uh, the Daily Collective 365. And I'm hoping to, you know, create a membership, which will give me continuous income, as well as helping other photographers and getting into the teaching. So it's, it's, it's opened up a whole new part of the business that's also working with other photographers, which I'm really loving. Um, you know, uh, because I love to talk shop. I mean, who doesn't? And I love to share the things that I know and mm. why not get paid for it? So <laughs> I, fair question. <laughs> like why, you know, I, I obviously I'll help someone out if they want help, you know, and stuff, but I thought, well, why not turn this into something else that I can do? Um, and so I'm hoping to launch that before the end of the year. Cool. And um, and yeah, and so there you go. It's created yet another stream of income. Another that, opportunity. Well, hopefully creating another stream of income that I never thought I could do from the beginning before I started this project. Hmm. Okay, so be major benefits. So those of you who maybe are just chiming in, listening in, four major benefits to running a 365 or a 365 project. Number one, the opportunity to hone skills, photographic skills. Two, the opportunity to share personal work with clients, which of course has the benefit you talked about of potentially converting even more clients. Uh, three is the opportunity to share, or the opportunity for more opportunities. So sharing <laughs> that personal work brought more opportunities as you talked about to be able to collaborate with other companies, other brands. And then four, the opportunity to, to teach other photographers. And that's a, that's a pretty interesting, I, so many photographers are going to the education space right now. And so yeah. it, one of the things that, that as photographers, we have to be careful about if we're going to go that direction is to create something that is different than what all these other photographers already offering courses are creating. Right. Uh, because yeah. everybody's like, it, it was almost like a gold rush that ha started happening like three or four years ago, maybe five years ago. Everybody's like, oh, online courses. I hear about these two or three photographers making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I'm going to do that too. And everybody's getting on board. So one of the challenges, much like in the photography industry, when there's so many photographers, one of the challenges in offering education to photographers is that we actually offer something that, that's different, that stands out, that's unique. And this is certainly unique. I, I've not heard any photographers talking about offering a course like that. So that, that's pretty cool. Oh, okay. there you go. Yay, that's a good sound. <laughs> Sounds good already. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about practical application, though. What are, for, for those photographers listening in, are like, okay, this is pretty compelling. I'm curious to start this myself. And I'll raise my hand with that. Um, what, what are the most important steps? You actually told me ahead of time that you've got five steps to share with our listeners yeah. to get started with a 365 project. What are those most important steps? Um, so, you know, I mentioned one of them al already um, about using a camera that you have with you. Um, don't get so obsessed with creating an Insta-worthy image or having to make a piece of art every day because you're going to fail. There is no way any of us has the time to do that every single day, especially if we have our own business like a lot of people do. Um, you can't. Well, you physically can't do it. You can't would, make a work of art every day. Yeah, yeah. So when you say work of art, you're talking about holding yourself to such a high standard that you won't yeah. take that picture because it's got to just be yeah, perfect. Exactly. Okay. Because you're like, oh, the lighting isn't quite right today. Oh, I forgot my SLR um, or my mirrorless. And so I'm not going to take the picture. So no, you have a camera, you have a phone, you have a tiny pocket camera, you have so many different digital options to use, an iPad, whatever. Use what you have, because that's the best camera, mm. always. That's good. Um, and by accepting that, and you know, like this year, I've had like the last couple of months have been really super busy with work. Um, and I haven't had time to lug my camera out everywhere. So I take my phone and we go to the playground with the kids after school take a couple pictures of them on there, have, you know, while they're playing, I play around. Um, you know, you can use the Lightroom app and actually, you know, adjust your camera settings with that. So it's kind of like having an SLR. 
Um, and, and so you can play with it and make it look how it is. And that's it. You're done. You've got your picture done and you can edit it right there and it's done for the day. Um, so it's, it's about letting go of that perfection. Not mm. everything is going to be perfect. Someday you're <laughs> just going to take a picture of raindrops on your window. And you know what? You'll remember it rained that day. That's Fair it. enough. You know, and, and it's not as easy as you would think to photograph raindrops on a window. So there you go. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, I think that, yeah, be kind to yourself and use what you've got. And, Fair enough. Um, which that... leads to... A, a, no, sorry, please. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. Please go ahead. Yeah, it leads to another point, which is if you miss a day, it's okay. Um, just shoot another extra one the next day. You know, um, when I missed the first few times, I failed because I would miss a day. And then I was like, oh, now I've missed a day. So I guess that's the end of that project. And that would be it for the rest of the year. And that's silly. Too perfectionist in attitude again, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if you miss a day, you miss two because you're busy. That's fine. The next time, maybe you'll take a picture of, uh, I don't know, uh, a cool car or, and then later on that day, you'll take a picture of, um, you know, a mural to see while you go shopping. You know, anything, you can do different pictures in different days, um, in the same day and just put it in there. You know, sure. it, it, what matters is that you have it at the end. Fair enough. Okay. Take us to the third, third yeah. step. Um, so the third one is to keep it organized. Uh, you will want that because if it's all confused at the end of the year, when you want to actually do something with it, um, you're not going to find what you want or your pictures or anything. So yeah, I have a personal photographs folder and a work photograph folder. And in my personal photograph, I have a specific folder made for 365 photos. So as soon as I've done it, edited it eventually, um, you know, I slide it in there and I give it a number. So today is day number one, day number two, day number mm. three. And then at the end of the year, once I put in day 365, then I can do what I want with it. And it's all there ready to go. No sorting, no, f you know, fidgeting about with stuff because it's already <laughs> there. And it's yeah. a lot less stressful to make it into a slideshow or an album or whatever you want to do with it or print it, you know, whatever you want to do. It's all there. Now, you said you talked about putting them in a separate folder on your phone, but then where are you putting them to number them? No, on my computer. Sorry, oh, sorry okay. that wasn't clear. So because I, I, I have Lightroom mobile, right? So it syncs to my yeah. Lightroom on my computer. Got it. So if I take a phone photo, I edit it in my mobile. And then when I go onto my Lightroom, I just export it straight into the folder with the day number on it. And then it's done. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought this up because I was curious, where are these images going? Because I know that you know, in the span of a couple of months, I might have, I, I just offloaded my, my images just the other day and I had something like 1600 different screenshots and photos and videos and whatnot. I mean, it's just a lot. So to have that project mixed in would be super confusing. So you, having a yeah. place to, to take that is really good. So you're photographing on your camera, the, the photo goes into Lightroom Mobile, which then syncs to your desktop and that's how you're keeping track of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And are and they on? Go ahead. No, no. And then from the desktop, I export them straight into the folder that I, I'm using for my 365. Got it. Okay. So then at the end of the year, then you have that folder of all 365 photos. Yes. Got it. Okay, cool. And is that folder, are you syncing that to Dropbox or anything like that just to make sure you don't, you don't lose all of those? Yeah, images? no. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's backed up. <laughs> it's backed up. Uh, I have an external hard drive. So once a month I copy everything onto the external hard drive as well. And, and then I have the um, iCloud storage that I have. Sure. Sure. Okay, and cool. So it syncs up there as well. So I always have a copy. Yes, I learned the lesson the hard way once upon a time. So Oof, yeah, that's <laughs> a scary. That's a scary thing. Okay, so number three is keep it organized. And of course, we you just broke down the workflow for that. Take us to number four. The the number four is to find a buddy group. Have someone to be an accountability partner. Um, it's it's hard to do it on your own. Um, it's hard to find the motivation. It's hard to find the inspiration um, to do it on your own. But finding a group of like-minded photographers who are also on this journey with you, and there's lots of them out there, um, it really helps to keep you going. So you motivate each other. You give each other ideas. Some groups even list some like themes for the month or something. Like this month, let's shoot everything red. 
and 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 stuff like that or you know this it's it's thanksgiving this month so let's let's do gratefulness and what are we grateful for photograph things that we're grateful for this month and so you know um just to get ideas or you know let's do a self-portrait loop every two weeks you know and, and you're doing pictures for your 365 but you're also doing things that are different and creative and challenging you and all that kind of stuff so it's inspired really by those conversations yeah, it's it's great to find a little buddy group, and there's plenty of them: Facebook, Instagram, loops, okay. um, websites that do it. I mean, so many, uh, or just a friend. If you guys want to do it together, do it together. Make your own buddy group. So that's one way to help stick with it too. Yeah, the accountability. Okay, that's good. And then, last but not least, number five: do something with your work. That's it. I mean, if you're shooting to achieve a goal at the end of the year, then you're more excited to complete it because you can't wait to hold it in your hands or to make it into a slideshow with music and send to your family, you know, as a recap of the year, um, you know, or to print it out and make your own scrapbook. Um, whatever you, you like to do with photos, do something. Don't just leave them moldering on your hard drive because then what's the point if you don't have anything to look at, you know, that's, that's my idea anyway. Fair enough. Honestly, this is super compelling. And I, I didn't even expect it to be for me, who's not an active photographer, right? And this is, <laughs> this is an appropriate topic for active photographers, but um, I, I may actually begin photographing here soon again, but professionally on, on a professional level, photographing weddings and, and portraits. Uh, but this in and of itself, even if I wasn't doing that regularly, I think is really compelling on multiple levels. One, to, to continue to challenge me as a photographer. I shot weddings for over 10 years, and it's been a while since I photographed actively. And the idea of, of just forcing myself to be creative, even if it's for 30 seconds a day, to come up with that photo, I think is a really good exercise in creativity. But even more so then, I mean, all the benefits that you shared earlier, not only the creative benefits, but ultimately the business benefits uh, it, it really, really compelling. So this has been a really fun conversation, Laura. And, and I, I really appreciate you making time to share with, with all of our listeners. Will you just remind them one more time where they can find and follow you online, your website, social media as well? Mm -hmm. So my uh, business website is lifelivephotography.co.uk and it's the same, Life Live Photography on Facebook and Life Lived Photo on Instagram. And if you want to follow the personal work, which is where I share my 365, my Instagram is life is wild and free. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it right now. <laughs> that's lovely. We'll, we'll put all of this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in or, or watching the live stream right now. I appreciate everybody joining the live stream today. I appreciate those of you that are listening to the audio after the fact. And once again, Alora, I really appreciate you making time for all of us to share this little bit of, of yourself and your business as well with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing.